Tonight, tonight, why not? He'll make you think. I think I'm going to break protocol here, though. He'll make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because, I mean, I'm puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. And welcome on in. It is Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Glad you guys could be with me here on this Tuesday. Oh, boy. If you missed the short show yesterday, I did get a little worried, just a little worried that my voice wasn't going to be that great today. I got to tell you, it, it's it's been all right. It's, it's hung through. Never again. I gotta know my I gotta know my control in these weekend weddings that I go to during football season. I gotta know what I can and cannot get away with. As uh, I spent all weekend in Chicago, one of my dear best friends got married, and I got very emotional about it. But really, the reality is, I, I've been trying to figure out why I got so emotional. I've, I Nick Wilson told me it might be the fact that I'm a father. I've thought a lot about that. Other people have suggested because you're back with your college friends, but I wasn't that emotional of a human in college. I'm a pretty emotional human in general. I don't think I was that emotional. I, I just, I can't explain it. I got incredibly emotional. I think it's because I know the journey that he's been on, my friend that got married, and the journey I've been on, and I don't know. There was something about it. Got incredibly emotional. But the reality is, is that uh, on Friday night, I ended up in one of those, uh, one of like a Chicago club scene that I did not want to be a part of. And it was funny because it was me and all my buddies that are my age, around my age. I'm 34 years old. And we all looked around. We had bottle service and everything. And we're yelling at each other, trying to have conversations. And we're just thinking, people are making out of the dance floor around us. Right, this is the worst thing we've ever done. This is just an awful time. All of us collectively thought that. But our buddy, you know, our buddy works for Red Bull and he got us in there. And it's not like we paid or anything for this, this ridiculous bottle service that then we all hated. So I didn't feel awful about it. But it was just... Just the worst time from that perspective. But it was great being with people. And then Saturday you get the wedding. And so it's all people you want to see and you haven't seen in forever. And you're just yelling at the top of your lungs to have any conversations. And it just you just do that. It's funny because I do a five-hour radio show. You'd think I'd be, I'd be prepped. I'd be ready to go to be able to do such a thing. Not really the case. So we are going to. I can tell right now with my voice and how we're doing. It's going to be a battle for five hours. But I have a feeling I'm going to get stronger and stronger as we get going. And then hopefully by 11 o'clock, we've hit the apex. And then we're ready to go ahead and hit uh, hit complete stride then, okay? But we will we will battle, and we're going to get this done. Daryl Ryder is going to join us, as he always does, on Tuesday. 9.20 is the time there, right after the fan focus at 9 o'clock. And I, honestly, I, I better have my voice because I got a lot of good things ready to go. We're going to talk about Michigan. We're going to talk about uh, the Guardians' managerial job. Where I want to start with you guys, though, is something I was thinking about over the weekend. You know, for all the reasons why I think the Browns won't go out there and get someone else is because of what happened with a guy by the name of Tyson Badgett this past weekend, okay? And and I have to remind myself when I say his name. Is it Badgett? Is it Bajent? How do you actually pronounce this kid's name? He's a D2 player, undrafted. He's from Shepherd University. My mom used to always be like, I'll give you a shiny quarter for anybody in the room that can answer who sings this song. I'll give a shiny quarter to anybody in the room that can tell me where Shepherd University is. My goodness. Shepherd Uni- I've never bet on Shepherd University. That's how I know that it is not a school that we pay much attention to. 
Usually I've been on just about every, every team in some level of college football. I've never heard of Shepard University. Tyson Bagent, D2 out of Shepard, undrafted, his first NFL start. He beat the Raiders 30-12. to He had no turnovers, had a touchdown pass, eight incompletions total, and he looked like he belonged. And I've spent so much time talking about Stefanski's strength and how it's always been getting the most out of quarterbacks. It's one of those talking points. I just kept going back to this offseason, right? It's like, well, he, he got the most out of Case Keenum. He got the most out of uh, Jacoby Brissett than anyone's ever gotten out of Jacoby Brissett. You can make an argument he's gotten the most out of Baker than anyone's gotten out of Baker as well. He knows how to get the most out of quarterbacks. That's his specialty. That's what he's good at. So why is it that he can't get P.J. Walker there? That's where I want to leave with you guys at 216-474-0092. And I think it's because of guys like Tyson Bajant. They're the reason why Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, in my estimation, this is only my estimation, as long as Deshaun Watson doesn't go on the IR, they're going to stay with P.J. Walker, they're going to stay with DTR, and they're not going to go out there and spend their draft capital on anybody else. You can call me up. You can tell me your names. You can tell me you like Kirk Cousins. You can tell me you like uh, Marcus Mariota was bandied about earlier today. You can tell me you like uh, anybody you can think of. I don't care. Tell me you like the guy running the 7-Eleven stand down the street. doesn't matter to me. I don't think they're going to pay any capital for anybody unless Deshaun Watson goes on the IR. But as long as he remains day-to-day and week-by-week, listen, these are the type of comments you make where I could be proven wrong tomorrow. My people, my sources have told me, that the Browns did not work out any quarterbacks today, okay? I don't know if you guys have that on the record, but I have that. I know I know that. So as of today, as of right now, they haven't worked out anybody new, anybody that you wouldn't have already heard of. Their plan, in my eyes, is to move forward with P.J. Walker, move forward with DTR, unless Deshaun Watson has to go on the IR, and it doesn't look like he's going to have to go on the IR. And the reasoning behind this, my estimation is when Eberflus and Luke Getze don't know what they're doing at all and Justin Fields was able to be injured and the offense looked better than it did previously, I think the Browns are looking at the scenario and saying, why can't that be us? Why, why is that not us? You've done this before. You're supposed to be a quarterback whisperer of sorts. You're supposed to be able to figure this whole thing out. Then figure it out. That's what Andrew Barry's private conversations with Kevin Stefanski are. I, they have to be going that way. Hey, uh, hey, Kevin, should we spend a fifth-round pick and get somebody else the fifth-round pick? We netted in the Dobbs deal, so you can uh, you know, go ahead and get you some reinforcements. That answer from Stefanski has to be in return, no, this is why you pay me the money. This is what I'm good at. This is what I do. Uh, when there was a, a caller that it called into the end of afternoon drive, I thought this was fascinating because I saw a couple of people tweeting about this and, and a couple of people commenting on our, on our Facebook page in different places, and they were saying, this is why Stefanski deserves praise. Four and two with these quarterbacks? Go Stefanski, which is not a comment you typically see these days revolving around Kevin Stefanski. But that, after winning back-to-back games with that type of quarterback play, I feel like some people did say he's shown me some things in these previous two games. He's shown me what he can do with bad quarterback play. Mm, I don't look at it that way, though. I look at at it as like, this is what you're supposed to be good at. This is what you're supposed to be awesome at. And you're not 
getting the job done. This is what Kevin Stefanski was paid to do. He was paid to be a great offensive coach. He's he's paid to get quarterbacks to the next level. Why is it that he can't get P.J. Walker there? That's what I want to know. That's the question I got to ask you guys. Why is it we have D2 undrafted players out of Shepherd University this past weekend that are coming in here, and I don't think Tyson Bajant is all of a sudden, uh, you know, PJ, um, uh, Brock Purdy, okay? I don't think all of a sudden they found some sort of diamond in the rough and the kid that looks like he could be you know, working at a Cabela's next weekend is all of a sudden going to be the guy that is the answer in Chicago that's going to replace Justin Fields, and they're going to be off to the races. I just don't think that's true. I don't think that's true in the slightest bit. I just think if you're any bit of a quarterback mind, if you're any bit of a quarterback whisperer or, or one of these coaches that's perceived to be great with the QBs, you got to be able to get a guy like P.J. Walker to a spot where on third down he knows to get down and not throw the ball. And then in other scenarios, he knows how to play the game accordingly. To, go, to give an easy shuffle pass to David and Joku can pull that off. Like There's certain things that he's got to be able to execute. And yes, some of them do fall on the player for not executing. But... He's got to be better than what he's been in the previous two weeks. And if you're Kevin Stefanski, that's what the money's for, man. That's why you get paid. You get paid for the idea that you can get someone like P.J. Walker there. So that's why they're not going to make a move in my mind. Unless Deshaun ends up on the IR. But if this is going to be a week-to-week thing, the bet with Stefanski has got to be that he should be capable enough to get a quarterback to that level. It feels like a direct indictment on Kevin Stefanski that P.J. Walker has been playing at a sub-replacement level caliber of play. That, to me, everyone's talking. Not everyone. I shouldn't say everyone. We're getting callers like in that last segment's afternoon drive. You can Odyssey rewind and go back and listen to it. And I saw multiple people commenting on it on on the different Facebook pages and 92.3 fan uh, different uh, pages that we have. People talking about the idea that when it comes to Stefanski, they're impressed they're wowed. They're in love with what they've seen because he's been able to manage this football team and he's been able to be a leader of men and he's been able to get everything uh, clicking and all cylinders. Okay. All right, fine. But I know he puts his head down at night and he thinks to himself, this is what I'm supposed to do. I am supposed to be the best at this. I am supposed to give Shanahan and all these quarterback gurus a run for their money and the offensive side of the ball and getting quarterbacks and even bad quarterbacks to be much better than they are. That's his calling card, okay? I, I've said it before. If he had a superpower, like he was an actual superhero, that would be what the Lord gave him. Like, your ability is to take bad quarterbacks and make them good. Well, what's happened with P.J. Walker? But it's that cockiness and that that arrogance attached to that ideology that is the reason why they're not going to end up trading for anybody unless Deshaun Watson goes on the IR and they understand it's more than just a week-by-week thing. The ideology that Kevin Stefanski believes, because no part of his NFL career has shown him otherwise, that he can get the most out of any of these players. And he can get bad quarterbacks to look good. Jacoby Brissett, the reason why everyone's clamoring for Jacoby Brissett right now, because Jacoby never looked better than when he was in a Browns uniform. That was Stefanski. Stefanski did that. He, he, he sprinkled pixie dust on a guy that was left for dead by Indianapolis, left for dead by Miami. How he had uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick before Fitzpatrick was doing uh, you know different commercials on television and Amazon Prime games taking over his job. He was left for NFL dead. And Stefanski was able to almost rebirth his 
the idea that he can play football because he's so good at that one thing. It's weird. It's a weird situation. And in the previous two weeks, the NFL world has told him, no, you're not. I get what the Browns are doing. The Browns are saying, yes, I can, because I've done it throughout my entire career. While P.J. Walker is living proof that for two weeks he hasn't been able to. Oh, it's so weird. There's so many layers here. 216474 to below 92. We come on back. What did Mary Kay Cabot say earlier today? I'm with Baskin and Phelps in this situation. We'll get to your phone calls as well. The big question to start off, though, if Stefanski's so good at getting these quarterbacks and getting them to where they need to be, is that what is holding back the Browns of going out there and paying for a better quarterback? The belief that they can get P.J. Walker there, and why can't Stefanski so far get P.J. Walker there? 216474 to below 92. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on The Fan. All right, back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Beadle. I'm glad you guys could be with me. I know it shouldn't have been Tyson Bajent that broke me, but it was Tyson Bajent that broke me. And there's a lot of people out there that are, I know you guys are thinking to yourself, you're like, do I even know that name? Do I know that name? Is that a, is that a, did we watch him play this past weekend? Yeah, you did. He's the D2 undrafted player out of Shepherd University, a school that uh, I offered up a shiny quarter, by the way. Nobody was able to tell me any, a single thing about Shepherd University. Uh, Bo, maybe you can get on uh, the Wikipedia page for Shepherd University. We can find the most interesting fact or nugget about Shepherd University, and we can go from there. Hey, usually when you go on Wikipedia and then you go down that road, usually there's like some sort of, I don't know, major celebrity or something. Like, for instance, Lindenwood University is where I went to school and graduated from. And the biggest thing that Lindenwood has, I think at this point, the biggest thing that Lindenwood has, we got we got all sorts of different people. Uh, Taylor Swift's grandma went to Lindenwood University in St. Charles, Missouri. And if you scroll all the way down, that's probably the most important person that went there, most notable thing. It's a D1 school now at this point. We play legitimate D1 football, and that's probably the most notable thing for us. I don't know what Tyson Bajent and Shepherd University has. Maybe it's the fact that Tyson Bajent went there. I don't know. But that is a man that... You or I, and we, I mean, you're, you're a sports radio listener. I am a diehard NFL fan. I talk about this sport five hours a night, five days a week. I mean, let's be honest. There are times we should rename overtime with John of the Peterlin to what's going on in the NFL this evening, Peterlin. I never heard of the guy two weeks ago. I, I had no idea who he was. He was able to step onto an NFL field, throw for 170 yards, throw a touchdown pass, no interceptions, didn't turn the ball over, eight incompletions, and that's Luke Getze, local kid, and Matt Eberflus. Luke Getze, who at times I've wondered because of his handling with Justin Fields, if he's just a straight-up idiot. And I don't like to say that way and speak that way about local kids, but I've generally wondered that question aloud to myself. I don't think he knows what the hell he's doing. But if Eberflus and Getze can get an absolute no-name to not only respectable, but to have a game where he trounces the Raiders, Kevin Stefanski's got to be looking around and saying, I can do that. I know I can do that. Because every time he's had a quarterback that's been subpar or kicked around or been forgotten by the NFL, he has turned around and had that quarterback with the best season of their career. He's done that time and time again. He had Case Keenum in the NFC title game. Any updates on Shepard University or did you give up? 
I mean, I'm reading about it, but it's like the only famous people that I see from there aren't really even like notable. They're yeah, yeah, local yeah. West Virginia political people. I, I know, I know. It's Shepherd University. Thanks for telling me it's in, by God, West Virginia. They I did had- lose in the semifinals of the D2 um, playoffs to Ferris State, yeah, 55-7. A, a real where-were-you-win moment in life. I know it. I know it. Uh, that's what I'm talking about, though. They basically, they, they were able to take basically just any guy, any guy, and turn him into a legitimate quarterback that got the job done this past weekend for the Bears. It's got to infuriate Kevin Stefanski that he's known for being good at this stuff and he can't get P.J. Walker there. So that's why I think they're not going to end up going out and getting anybody. I just don't see it happening. Unless Deshaun Watson goes on the IR, I think the cockiness, the arrogance, whatever you want to call it associated with Kevin Stefanski and then Andrew Barry in turn, I believe they're just not going to be able to let that go. The idea that why would we give up a fifth-round pick or a fourth-round pick when I'm capable of getting the job done? Why would I offer up any sort of asset to get somebody in return when I know I can get P.J. Walker there because I've gotten every quarterback I've ever dealt with there? It's not a bad bet. If I open up 12 steakhouses in 12 different states and all they've ever been is successful, I'm going to have a pretty good feeling that even if the 13th didn't open with the most rousing success and maybe the reviews weren't the greatest, and maybe the Instagram foodies didn't come flocking to my place right away, but I'll live with a lot of belief that it'll get there because I got 12 other that are wildly successful and have gotten there before. And I think that's all the Browns are looking at this as. That's what I would be looking at it if I were them. So I'm just I'm not telling you that's what I would do. I'm not saying this is what I, I, I think that they should be doing. I'm here to tell you guys what I think they will do. And that sometimes conflates, and and sometimes that conflicts with each other. Sometimes what you think they'll do is not always the same thing as what you believe they'll do. And in this instance, that's the case. Like Mary Kay Cabot, for instance, was on earlier today on Baskin and Phelps. We'll get your phone calls in a second, by the way. Hang tight. Mary Kay Cabot was on earlier today on Baskin and Phelps, and I agree with Mary Kay. I, I, I think she's dead on. Dead on. But after laying out what I laid out, I don't know. I would be looking for a veteran quarterback because you just don't know how this thing is going to go for the rest of the season. And I think you need something a little bit more than what you have on the roster right now. So I would be looking for a veteran quarterback. The trade deadline is October 31st. I would be scouring other teams' rosters. I would be you know, trying to figure out if there's something else there that is going to make sense for you. And then, of course, you have some kind of a roster decision to make on T.J. Walker because you've already called him up from the practice squad, your maximum allowable three times, so now he would have to be signed to the active roster. So they have some decisions to make there. It's a great point at the end by P.J. Walker. It's a great point at the end by P.J. Walker. That's a whole sketchy scenario in and of itself. But, yeah, no, I I agree with Mary Kay and what she has to say. I think she's dead on. But I just think the cockiness attached to Stefanski and everybody else and the arrogance and call it whatever you want. And sometimes sometimes confidence and then arrogance can kind of bleed together. And sometimes you're looking at it and it's like, well, push comes to shove. I want a confident surgeon. I want a confident doctor. I'll take whatever you want to call it. You want to call it confidence. You want to call it arrogance. Sometimes in life, that's what I want. And in this instance, in, in my offensive coordinator slash head coach slash, uh, you know, guru when it comes to what our offense is going to be I want the confident cocky arrogant whatever you want to call a guy that's the guy I want I want that guy 
Because that guy typically is going to, at least even if they don't know what they're doing, they're at least they're at least giving off the impression that they know what they're doing to a point where, uh, and, and this is not fault fall with Kevin Svansky, by the way. Kevin Svansky's not giving off an idea that he knows what he's doing. Kevin Svansky's gotten proven success that shows me that he knows what to do with bad to mediocre quarterbacks. The confusing part for him has got to be that as he's looked around with P.J. Walker through two weeks, it hasn't caught on. It hasn't yet sunk in the way that I think everybody would have hoped it would have already. And he's made some bonehead plays. And he's made some bad mistakes. Now, he's made some good ones as well. Third and seven, final drive, the throw to Elijah Moore was a gift from the heavens up above. I mean, that play was unreal. I've never many people bring that play up. Dropped it right in between two defenders. Only spot he could have put it. Third down play. It was magnificent. I think there's something there with P.J. Walker and the ability to know how to win games and to at least make really big-time throws when you need to make big-time throws. You guys have seen it. It's been two games. Stefanski's not gotten him there yet, but maybe he's looking at that type of play and saying, this is where I, this is where I can get him there. 216474 to below 92. It's fascinating. We have so many different directions we can go on this, but I want to talk to you guys. Why can't Stefanski, who has gotten every quarterback previously there, why can't he get P.J. Walker there? Rob in downtown up next. Leading us off here. Hello, Rob. Hey, J.P. How you doing tonight, bud? What's up, Rob? How's it going, man? Hey, uh, two, two things. Uh, regarding your um, the, the arrogance slash cockiness about making an acquisition, I completely agree with you. They should and they won't. And the reason we know they won't is because they lead the league in cap space and they didn't go out and replace their Hall of Fame running back when he got hurt. Yeah. And they didn't go out well, and replace their, their Pro Bowl offensive lineman. I mean, they, they did they sign Kareem money, Hunt. They I mean, spent they didn't, $4 million yeah. on, on Kareem Hunt, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they spent $4 million to replace two positions. I mean, even the, even the Dolans are jealous of that, Jonathan. <laughs> I mean, you know, they went. So I don't think they're going to make a move. That arrogance will continue. They'll lead the league in cap space, and they'll send it to re-up their, their stars next year. But I, I really believe the number one reason why Walker has not succeeded with the quarterback whisper is, like, they can never game plan for him. I mean, he was thrown into his first action uh, two hours before kickoff in a week where he got 10% of the snaps and, 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 didn't, and didn't know that he was going to play. And, and he, he found a way, but, you know. Well, that was DTR. That was DTR week, the first week, yeah. But my point is, like, he's been thrown in there. Like, yeah. for the no, indie game, yeah. Watson was finally going to start, and they threw Watson he, in there. But he had, so to, Rob, Rob, when, he had to have known that he had to be 100% ready to be able to go because there was the, the slightest little hit was going to take Watson out of that game. Yeah, but they get, even, if, even if he got the snaps in, in practice all week long because of Watson's heaviness, they game plan for Deshaun Watson. I get you. And you cannot – you cannot take the field with the same game plan for Walker as you can for Deshaun. I, I, JP, I'm just concerned with, with their chemistry, man. Like, I was at that game on Sunday at the 50-yard line right behind the Browns bench. And to see Watson standing off the side at the 20-yard line during these key plays and key drives for an hour at a time was the strangest thing I've ever seen. He was completely away from the team mm -hmm. for hours at a time, barely talking to the quarterback, barely talking to the offensive staff. I mean, it was 
very awkward. There's that, something going weird. on, man. That's weird. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you, man, as always. That is weird. Something is going on. We don't. I thought we were going to get results today. We got, re- we got results from Jerome Ford yesterday. We got nothing today from Deshaun Watson. I don't know what that means. Is that a good sign? I would kind of take it as a good sign, but I, I, again, I don't know what that means. We know that nobody worked out today for the Browns. We know that. I have that sourced. So, like, that's fine. That's taken care of. But I, I who knows? Two one six four seven four to below 92. Oh, we have info on Shepherd University. Jeremy in Cleveland. Your son goes there? I hope I didn't insult your, uh, well, uh, if you're paying for your son's tuition, I hope I didn't insult your pocketbook. No, no, no insults. Uh, he plays baseball there. Oh, uh, but just a, uh, just a little tidbit, uh, Brenton Doyle also went there. He's a starting <laughs> center fielder. He's a starting center fielder for the Colorado Rockies. There we go. And he, might, and he might win a Golden Glove this year. Yeah, no, good player. All right. Yeah, and, uh, and then Tyson Badgen, I know, is the all-time NCAA uh, passing yards leader uh, out of any quarterback. Yeah, I read that honestly. And thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate you, man. I read that uh, earlier in the week. I was try- er, Early in the week. Earlier today. I was trying to look up things on Tyson Badgent. That's how I learned that he went to Shepard. I'd never heard of the guy until two weeks ago. And then he, gets, he gets, starts in an NFL game last week. And the Bears have him looking awesome. Until I heard his name pronounced on TV, I thought it was French. Like, like Bagent. Bayet. A baguette. Bayet. Bayet. <laughs> Not everything that goes that way goes that way, if you know what I mean. I once, I was staying at the, the Paris Hotel in Vegas, right? The one that looks like the big old Eiffel Tower. And, uh, and my brother, I, re- I was like 21 years old. My brother came down. He's like, ah, oh, want to get a baguette? And I'm like, a what? What are you talking, a what? And he was like, yeah, like it's a, it's, a, it's a French pastry. Do you want one? And I'm like, no. Like, yeah, no, it's like fluffy bread. You're going to like it. I'm like, no. No, I'm not. No. Live a little, JP. It's like, no. no. I don't want Vegas's version of French culinary to be my impression of this. I'll probably go to France one day. I don't know. I don't know. I have a list of places I want to go. France is not on that list. They have my one, and their language is one of my favorites to count. Like, un, deux, trois. You sounded That's exhausted just saying it right there. That was you trying to you, – you make the same sounds when you try to run a mile, okay? It's weird, right? It's a weird language. It's my favorite way to count. I took Spanish in high school, not French. And when my daughter gets old enough, I'm going to encourage her to take Spanish, not French as well. I feel like uh, even though I've forgotten all the Spanish that I took in that class because I took two years of it. My wife still remembers. She took four years. She still remembers a good deal of it. I hate, though, I hate the people. I went on a, a bachelor party couple years ago to Mexico we went to you know went to Cancun and and I everyone in the group they're like breaking it down like do you know any Spanish do you know any Spanish and everyone's like oh yeah I know Spanish and it's like no no you don't know Spanish you had two years of high school Spanish you don't know Spanish you don't know you did not take a Rosetta Stone class you you're not like a master linguist you don't know Spanish you took two years and you've forgotten the majority of it. fun little tidbit my uh my I had a Spanish professor in college at Ohio State yeah. Who actually, um, he was Tom Cruise's translator on the set of a movie in Brazil. Uh, and he said you weren't allowed to make eye contact with him. And he that walked tracks. around with stilts. Because he's so, you know, he's short. He is short. He's like five foot four. He's terribly, terribly short. And very sensitive about being short. That's where I think the, uh, you know, it all went downhill for him. I, you know what? I saw a video with him on TikTok recently, though, and he seemed like a sweetheart. He seemed like the nicest guy ever. He was, like, signing autographs, like, very personable. And I'm like, this is the guy? 
This guy that's gone basically just like a complete, like, he's come a long way from jumping on Oprah's couch. Okay? Are you sure it wasn't his old uh, former stunt double that does the deep fake Tom Cruise videos? Uh, I don't even want to get started on the deep fake Tom Cruise videos. Those sent me down a bad, bad path. <laughs> I've gone down that Those, wormhole uh, That's before. a bad path. Between that and college football deep fake videos, I don't know what's real and what's not anymore. We're going to get to a weird place in like a decade from now when they can make like rants of me talking about the Browns and people are just so good at it. Like it'll be like using Adobe. Uh, Reef Wog will be making videos of me saying very wrong things about the Browns and it'll be deep fake videos and I'll be like, ah, I don't even know how to combat this. That's going to be my life 10 years from now. You guys watch. All right, 216-474-0092. Why can't Stefanski get PJ Walker there? We're talking about Tyson Bagette because... Baguette, Baguette, whatever you want to call him. We're talking about him because he's the Bears quarterback this past weekend, and he played awesome against the Raiders. And it's one of those scenarios where I think Stefanski, I think he looks at that game and says, if Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze can get a D2 kid out of Shepard University there, and this is what I'm supposed to be good at, then I can get P.J. Walker there as well. So barring an IR placement of Deshaun Watson, I just my own personal opinion out there, I don't think the Browns are going to end up signing anybody, even though if I were them, I would have signed somebody weeks ago. 216-474 to below 92. We'll continue with the phone calls. If you're hanging, hang tight. We got to get to the Michigan scandal around college football coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll get to the Guardians managerial job in that hour as well. Daryl Ryder at 920. It's overtime with Jonathan Bidwin here with you on The Fan. How might the NFL trading deadline affect the fantasy football world? Expert advice and success in your league is just a click away. Download and subscribe to the Upper End Fantasy Podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. And I, I guess it's just a simple question. I'm just asking, why can't Stefanski get P.J. Walker there when he's been able to get everybody else he's ever coached there? Yeah, you can't really name a quarterback that he hasn't gotten there previously. You want to make a case for Deshaun Watson? I think we both know you are arguing in a it's a bad faith argument to bring Deshaun into that mix, especially based off the Titans game. But really, it's the fact that in six games last year, we weren't expecting much. But he had Jacoby there. He's, he got Baker there for a stretch as well. Uh, Baker never looked better. And he had Case Keenum there. Like, he had it. Now, you can also turn around and say he's also always had a really top-notch running game as well, and he's got no running game to fall back on, and that's why P.J. Walker isn't able to look as solid. But I would make the argument in turn that even though Jerome Ford is now injured and going to be out for one to two weeks, the run game hasn't looked bad in the previous couple weeks. Jerome Ford averaged like six yards a carry or something last week. Kareem Hunt the week prior. They've they, they been able to, to do work. I thought Wyatt Teller put it pretty nicely yesterday. It was like, yeah, losing Nick Chubb sucks, but we we, we create four-foot holes for these guys. Like, they, you don't have to be uh, Walter Payton. I'm paraphrasing here, but you don't got to be Walter Payton to be able to, to look good with that offensive line. So I'm just, I don't know, because I'm just wondering and curious. 216-474 to below 92. We've gone through Tyson Baget, the Bears quarterback from last week that ended up looking good, got the win against the Raiders. And I just, I think it's, I think it's Stefanski and company. I think it's them looking at that and saying, I'm good at this. I know I'm good at this. I can get P.J. Walker there. Don't give up the assets. We don't need a better quarterback. I can get him to where he needs to be. Now think about it from Shanahan's perspective. How many of you guys think Shanahan would sit back and say, I can't have success with any quarterback that you give me? 
Now, he's got weapons, and, and P.J. Walker did not do himself any favors in only connecting with Amari Cooper two times for 22 yards last week. He turned Amari Cooper into Anderson Cooper. I don't know what happened there. That's something we need to not repeat. You got to get Amari Cooper the ball. But I just, I don't think Shanahan would approach it that way. I think he'd be like, okay, you got me in, uh, the, the Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft. Let's make this work. And I'm getting some tweets in here, and Twitter reactions are brought to you by our friends at Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. And, and some people are suggesting, listen, I don't even think you're wrong here. I'm not going to kill you for it. But like DC says, just an old adage and cliche, but you can't make chicken soup out of chicken you know what. It's like, yeah, but I don't, I don't know that it, like, like Tyson Baget is that. He's undrafted D2 player. He is that. You can't tell me that there's supposed to be some sort of massive difference in talent between P.J. Walker and Tyson Bajet. Like, it's not, that's not supposed to be the case. That's why I'm bringing him up so often. It, it, you're supposed to be able to take just about anybody, if you're that good at being a quarterback whisperer, at being a quarterback guru, if you're that good at the job, you're supposed to be able to take any quarterback and make them something. Something better than what we've seen in the previous two weeks. And right now, Stefanski's not been able to do that. And I feel like that's where the stubbornness is going to come and play with the Browns. They're going to look at it and say, I know we can get P.J. Walker there because he's only ever gotten quarterbacks there. I brought up the restaurant analogy earlier. Where I said, if, you've, if you have 12 steakhouses and all 12 have been awesome, if the 13th you own and, and, get, and start maybe struggles a little bit out of the gate, you're not going to be like, oh, no, I've lost my touch. I don't know how to... I don't know how to run a steakhouse. You're going to be like, I got this. I know how to do this. I can do this. We're going to get this there. And I feel like that's the same place that the Browns are currently sitting in. So I just saying, don't, if they end up signing somebody tomorrow, I'll be surprised by it. Do I think they should? Hell yeah, I think they should. I don't want PJ Walker out there starting the same way you guys don't want him either. I just, I, and it's not what I want. It's what I think will happen. If they come out here tomorrow and say, we signed Marcus Mariota, you know what that means to me? That means to me that they looked around and they said to themselves, okay, something I'm great at, I'm not as great at as I thought I was. You know, the, the, idea, the ability to get any quarterback to a decent spot, I thought I had that in my bag of tricks. I don't have that in my bag of tricks. And for guys like that, as, as, as humble as we like to think Stefanski and them are, you got to be somewhat cocky and arrogant to get to the spot that they are in in life. You don't accidentally fall on top of the mountain, okay? It takes a lot to get there. And, and we might rag on him, but to become a head coach in the NFL, you have to be extremely talented and put in a lot of hours when it comes to offensive game planning and scheming and working through how to do that gig. So he's got to have belief in himself. It just it surprised me if he didn't. 216474 to below 92. One walks around like he's like, uh, he's like the Andrew Griffith show or something. He's like, oh. Uh, you know, like down in the moping around, like oh, I'm just, I'm, I don't know if I can do it. No, he's got to have confidence in himself. Jeff and Eastlake up next. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Jonathan, how you doing? Hey, Jeff, what's up, man? Oh, not too much. Yeah, I want to say uh, a couple things. First, the reason why uh, maybe he's not going to get him there. Deshaun is day to day. How many practice reps is? Uh, P.J. getting. We don't know. Another thing, when we had Case Keenum, he usually knew the week before. He got all the first-team reps. 
Last year, we had Jacoby. He had the whole off season and, and the first uh, round, our first uh, team reps. Now, right now, the way I see it, if you don't mind me saying, sure. we're going to lose to Seattle. Uh, Arizona, we might win. At Baltimore, we're going to lose. And when Pittsburgh comes here, I think we'll win. I'll take my phone call off the air, and thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you making it. I just, I don't, I can't even predict these games. I have no idea what's going to happen with Deshaun. I don't. We, I thought we were going to get news today. No idea what's happening with Deshaun right now. Zero clue. Thought we were going to get MRI, uh, MRI results. Didn't hear a peep. Adam in Akron. I'm next. Hello, Adam. Uh, I have so much to talk about. I know. I, I doubt you're going to give me the time to do it all. Uh, try to be quick. Uh, try to be quick for me, and I'll, I'll let you speak. Go ahead. All right, so um, what I was talking to the screener about was there, there is questions about is it Stefanski, is it the play calling, is it the run game, is it the offensive line, is it the quarterback, whatever. It's the quarterback, okay? Um, the one statistic that I'll give you that stood out to me so much, um, percentage of passes that your quarterback hits an open receiver. Number one in the league, um, it's, it's not a surprise, it's Patrick Mahomes. He only misses 2.8% of open receivers. Mm-hmm. Worst in the league, P.J. Walker. He misses 13.8% of open receivers. To get worse than that, you go up three people, Deshaun Watson. He misses 12.99% of open receivers. So it's not the play calling. It's not the scheme. It's not the wide receivers. It's the quarterback. Okay, now – my question is, okay. if you looked at any other top-tier team, top team in the NFL, yeah. let's call them, or in the IFC, let's call them Miami, let's call them Buffalo, let's call them Kansas City, um, let's even call Just them Baltimore. Get there, Adam. Okay? It's okay. Get there, yeah. Okay. You lose your starting running back, and your quarterback is week-to-week, every single week, and not performing. Are you not going out and making a move? Or are you going with your third-string running back and now your third-string quarterback? Are you going with both of those? I don't Listen, think so. Adam, it's not, my, it's, not my, it's not my call. And thank you, Adam. I appreciate you. I'm with you, though. I'm, I, I agree with you. I would make a move. I'm telling you why I don't think they will. I tell you, why I don't think they will is because of how much belief Stefanski has had in the idea that he's always been able to get a quarterback to a spot. And you're telling me that it's on – P.J. Walker for missing all these open receivers. You know what Stefanski goes to bed thinking about? Hmm. P.J. Walker got a win against Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Tom Brady, last year. Starting for Tampa Bay. P.J. Walker, starting for Carolina. Beat Tom Brady. Had a passer rating in the 120s. Looked really good. He's got to be thinking to himself, why did that happen? Why did that happen, and why why am I putting in PJ Walker? Uh, excuse me, putting PJ Walker in such a place where he's not having the same success, albeit a very tiny amount of success, but the same success that he had at certain points of last year. Like I get it. At some point, you got to have enough talent. But what is about Tyson Bajet in Chicago that is making passes that PJ Walker here in Cleveland isn't? That, that's what you got to ask yourself. That's what he's going to bed thinking about. I promise you that. He's not thinking about all the missed receivers and all the different stuff like that and would Deshaun have made that throw or not because, of course, Deshaun would have made that throw. He's $230 million. He's supposed to make that throw. Or Mahomes. Of course, Mahomes is going to make that throw. How do we get P.J. Walker to be successful? That's the Rubik's Cube that Stefanski's trying to answer and try to get figured out. That's the one that he's got to try to find a way to do. 
And, and I don't know. If I was a betting man, I would say he's going to try to figure that puzzle out as opposed to just saying, all right, I give up, uncle, what's wave the light flag. Uh, is it a third-round pick, fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick? Send whatever capital you need over because uh, I just, I, I'm not good enough at my job to make sure that we can get him to where he needs to be. It's, just, it's easy for us to say because it seems obvious to us. But if you're in those rooms, if you're in that moment, you don't get to being that good like Stefanski is without thinking that you can make any quarterback into an absolute god at the position. You just, you just have that belief in yourself. So you're, the conversations you're having with Andrew Barry is like, well, all right, am I, am I able to get him to a spot where if we don't give up a fifth-round pick, we can still win games? Well, we won the last two, didn't we? I know it wasn't pretty, but we won the last two. Okay, good. Let's keep this thing going. All right, 216 to below 92. If you're hanging, hang tight. I'll get your call coming up on the other side. We also got to get to audio that – I don't know why Brady Quinn is feuding. Brady Quinn is feuding with Quincy Avery, the quarterback's coach for Deshaun Watson. I'll play the audio that stemmed all of that. We'll get to Michigan a little bit later on as well. A ton to get to. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on The Fan. 